Section 28 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 21, Part 2. Upon that he waved his hand and stalked majestically, and they descended from the roof into the street, criers running in front to clear the way. When Baba Mustafa was hidden from view by a corner of the street, Nurna shrank in her white shoulders and laughed, and was like a flashing pearl as she swayed and dimpled with laughter, and she cried, True are those words of the poet, and I testify to them in the instance of Baba Mustafa. With feathers of the cock I'll fashion a vain creature, with feathers of the owl I'll make a judge in feature. Is not the barber elate and lofty? He goeth forth to the mastery of this event, as go many, armed with naught other than their own conceit, and tis written, Fools from their fate seek not to urge, the coxcomb carrieth his scourge. So Feshnavet smoothed his face, and said, Is it not also written? Oft may the fall of fools make wise men moan. Too often hangs the house on one loose stone. Tis so, O Nurna, my daughter, and I am as a reed shaken by the wind of apprehensiveness, and doubt in me is a deep root as to the issue of this undertaking, for the wrath of the king will be terrible, and the clamour of the people soundeth in my ears already. If Shibli Bagarag fail in one stroke, where be we? Tis certain I know not the might in Shagpat when I strove with him, and he's powerful beyond the measure of man's subtlety. And yonder flies a rook without fellow, an omen, and all's ominous, and ominous of ill. And I marked among the troop of slaves that preceded Baba Mustafa one that squinted, and that's an omen. And, O oh my daughter, I counsel that thou by thy magic speed us to some remote point in the Caucasus, where we may abide the unravelling of this web securely, one way or the other way. Tis my counsel, O Nurna. Then she, Abandon my betrothed, and betray him on the very stroke of the sword, and diminish him by a withdrawal of that faith in his right wrist which strengthen it more than Karavejus and Vidravush wound round it in coils? And she leaned her head and cried, Hark, hearest thou? There's shouting in the streets of Shiraz and of Shagpat. Shall we merit the punishment of Shapesh the Persian on Kipil the Builder, while the event is mastering? I'll mark this interview between Babu Mustafa and Shagpat, and do thou, O oh my father, rest here on this roof, till the king's guard of horsemen and soldiers of the law come hither for thee, and go with them sedately, fearing not, for I shall be by thee in the garb of an old woman." and preserve thy composure in the presence of the king and Shagpat exalted, and allow not the thing that happeneth let fly from thee the shaft of speech, but remain a slackened bow till the strength of my betrothed is testified, fearing not, for fear is that which defeateth men, and tis declared in a distich. The strongest weapon one can see in mortal hands is constancy." and for thee to flee now would rank us with that king described by the poet. 
A king of Eind there was who fought a fight from the first gleam of morn till fall of night, but when the royal tent his generals sought, proclaiming victory, fled was he who fought. Despair possessed them till they chanced to spy a dervish that paced on with downward eye. They questioned of the king, he answered slow, Ye fought but one, the king a double foe. And, O oh, my father, they interpreted of this that the king had been vanquished, and that he was victor by the phantom army of his fears. Now the vizier cried, Be the will of Allah achieved and consummated. And he was silenced by her wisdom and urgency, and sat where he was, diverting not the arch on his brow from its settled furrow. He was as one that thirsteth, and whose eye hath marked a snake of swift poison by the water, so thirsted he for the event, yet hung with dread from advancing. But Nurna bin Nurka busied herself about the roof, drawing circles to witness the track of an enemy, and she clapped her hands and cried, Lalu! And lo, a fair slave-girl that came to her and stood by with bent head, like a white lily by a milk-white antelope. So Nurna clouded her brow a moment, and when the moon darkeneth behind a scud, and cried, Speak, art thou in league with Keraz, girl? Lolu strained her hands to her temples, exclaiming, With the terrible genie, I, in league with him? My mistress, surely the charms I wear, and the amulets, I wear them as a protection from that genie, and a safeguard, he that carrieth off the maidens and the young sucklings, walking under the curse of mothers. Said Nurna, O oh, Lalu, have I boxed those little ears of thine this day? The fair slave-girl smiled a smile of submissive tenderness, and answered, Not this day, nor once since Lalu was rescued from the wicked old merchant by thy overbidding, and was taken to the arms of a wise kind sister, wiser and kinder than any she had been stolen from, she that is thy slave for ever. She said this weeping, and Nurna mused, "'Twas as I divined that wretched Kadza, her griefs to come. Then spake she aloud as to herself, "'Knew I, or could one know, I should this day be a bride?' And hearing that, Lalu shrieked, "'Thou a bride, and torn from me, and we two parted? And I, a poor drooping tendril, left to wither? For my life is round thee, and worthless away from thee, O cherisher of the fallen flower!' and she sobbed out wailful verses and words, broken and without a meaning. But Nurna caught her by the arm and swung her, and bade her fetch on the instant a robe of blue, and pile in her chamber robes of amber and saffron and grey, bridal robes of many-lighted silks, plum-coloured, peach-coloured, of the colour of musk mixed with pale gold, together with bridal ornaments and veils of the bride, and a jewelled circlet for the brow. When this was done, Nurna went with Lalu to her chamber, attended by slave-girls, and arrayed herself in the first dress of blue, and swayed herself before the mirror, and rattled the gold pieces in her hair and on her neck with laughter. And Lalu was bewildered, and forgot her tears to watch the gaiety of her mistress. And lo! Nurna made her woman take off one set of ornaments with every dress, and with every dress she put on another set and after she had gone the round of the different dresses, she went to the bathroom with Lalu, and at her bidding 
Lalu entered the bath beside Noorna, and the twain dipped and shouldered in the blue water, and were as when a single star is by the full moon on a bright midnight, pouring lustre about. And Noorna splashed Lalu and said, This night we shall not sleep together, O Lalu, nor lie close, thy bosom on mine. Thereat Lalu wept afresh and cried, Ah, cruel, and tis a sweet thought for thee, and thou'lt have no mind for me, tossing on my hateful lonely couch. Tenderly Nurna eyed Lalu, and the sprinkles of the bath fell with the tears of both, and they clung together, and were like the lily and its bud on one stalk in a shower. Then, when Nurna had spent her affection, she said, O thou of the long downward lashes, thy love is constant when I stood under a curse and was an old woman, a hag. Carest thou so little to learn the name of him that claimeth me? Lalu replied, I thought of no one save myself and my loss, O my lost pearl. Happy is he, a youth of favor. O how I shall hate him that taketh thee from me. Tell me now his name, O sovereign of hearts. So Nurna smoothed the curves and corners of her mouth, and calmed her countenance, crying in a deep tone and a voices of reverence, Shagpat. Now at that name Lalu drank in her breath and was awed, and sank in herself, and had just words to ask, Hath he demanded thee again in marriage, O my mistress? Said Nurna, Even so. Lalu muttered, Great is the dispenser of our fates and she spake no further, but sighed and took napkins, and summoned the slave-girls, and arrayed Nurna silently in the robe of blue and bridal ornaments. Then Nurna said to them that thronged about her, Put on, each of ye, a robe of white, ye that are maidens, and a fillet of blue, and a sash of saffron, and abide my coming. And she said to Lalu, Array thyself in a robe of blue, even as mine, and let trinkets lurk in thy tresses, and abide my coming. Then went she forth from them, and veiled her head, and swathed her figure in raiment of a coarse white stuff, and was as the moon going behind a hill of dusky snow. And she left the house, and passed along the streets and by the palaces, till she came to the palace of her father, now filled by Shagpat. Before the palace grouped a great concourse and a multitude of all ages of either sex in that city, despite the blaze and the heat. Like roaring of a sea beyond the mountains was the noise that issued from them, and their eyes were a fire of beams against the portal of the palace. Now she saw in the crowd one Shafrak, a shoemaker, and addressed him, saying, O Shafrak, the shoemaker, What's this assembly, and how got together? For the poet says, Ye string not such assemblies in the street, Save when some high event should be complete. He answered, Tis an event complete, Wallahi, the deputation from Shiraz to Shagpat, And the submission of that vain city to the might of Shagpat. And he asked her jestingly, Art thou a witch to guess that, O veiled and virtuous one? Quoth she, I read the thing that cometh ere tis come, and I read danger to Shagpat in this deputation from Shiraz, and this dish of pomegranate grain. So Shafrak cried, By the beard of my father's and that of Shagpat, let's speak of this to zeal the garlic-seller. 
he broadened to one that was by him, and said, O zeal, what's thy mind? Here's a woman, a wise woman, a witch, and she sees danger to Shagpat in this deputation from Shiraz, and this dish of pomegranate grain. Now zeal screwed his visage, and gazed up to his forehead, and said, "'Twere best to consult with Boodleback the drum-beater.' The two then called to Boodleback the drum-beater, and told him the matter, and Boodleback pondered, and tapped his brow, and beat on his stomach, and said, "'Cruz el Karazawik, the carrier, is good in such a case.' Now from Cruz el Karazawik, the carrier, they went to Dob the confectioner, and from Dob the confectioner, to Azawul the builder, and from Azawul the builder, to Cheek, the collector of taxes, and each referred to some other, till perplexity triumphed and was a cloud over them, and the words, Danger to Shagpat, went about like bees, and were canvassing, when suddenly a shrill voice rose from the midst, dominating other voices, and it was that of Kadza, and she cried, Who talks here of danger to Shagpat, and what wretch is it? Now Cheek pointed out Azawul, and Azawul Dub, and Dub Kruzel Krasawik, and he Boodleback, and the drum-beater shrugged his shoulder at Zeal, and Zeal stood away from Shafrak, and Shafrak seized Nurna and shouted, "'Tis she, this woman, the witch!' Kadz affronted Nurna and called to her, "'O thing of infamy, what's this talk of thine concerning danger to our glory, Shagpat?' Then Nurna replied, "'I say it, O Kadza, and I say it. There's danger threateneth him, and from that deputation and that dish of pomegranate grain.' Now Kadza laughed a loose laugh, and jeered at Nurna, crying, "'Danger to Shagpat! He that's attended by genii, and watched over by the greatest of them, day and night incessantly?' And Nurna said, "'I ask pardon of the power that seeth, and of thee, if I be wrong. Wah! am I not also of them that watch over Shagpat? So then let thou and I go into the palace, and examine the doings of this deputation, and this dish of pomegranate grain. Now Kadza remembered the scene on the roofs of the vizier Shefnavet, and relaxed in her look of suspicion, and said, "'Tis well, let's in to them.' Whereupon the twain threaded through the crowd, and locked at the portals of the palace, and it was open to them, and they entered." and, lo, the hand that opened the portals was the hand of a slave of the sword, and against corners of the court leaned slaves silly with slumber. So Kadza went up to them and beat them and shook them, and they yawned and mumbled, Excellent grain, good grain, the grain of Shiraz. And she beat them with what might was hers, till some fell sideways and some forward, still mumbling, Excellent pomegranate grain. Kadza was beside herself with anger and vexation at them, tearing them and cuffing them. But Nurna cried, O oh, Kadza, what said I? There's danger to Shagpat in this dish of pomegranate grain. And what's that saying? Tis much against the master's wish that slaves too greatly praise his dish. Wallahi, I like not this talk of the grain of Shiraz. Now, while Nurna spake, the eyes of Kadza became like those of the starved wild cat, and she sprang off and along the marble of the court, and clawed a passage through the air, and past the marble pillars of the palace toward the first room of reception, Nurna following her. 
and in the first room were slaves leaning and lolling like them about the court, and in the second room and in the third room, silent all of them and senseless. So at this sight the spark of suspicion became a mighty flame in the bosom of Kadza, and horror burst out at all ends of her, and she shuddered and cried, What for us, and where's our hope if Shagpat be shorn, and he lopped of the identical, shamed like the lion of my dream? And Nurna clasped her hands and said, Tis that I fear, seek for him, O Kadza. So Kadza ran to a window and looked forth over the garden of the palace, and it was a fair garden with the gleam of a fountain and watered plants and cool arches of shade, thick bowers, fragrant alleys, long-sheltered terraces, and beyond the garden a summer-house of marble fanned by the broad leaves of a palm. Now when Kadza had gazed a moment she shrieked, "'He's there! Shake Pat! Giveth he not the light of a jewel to the house that holdeth him? Awah he! And he's witched there for an ill purpose!' Then tore she from that room like a mad wild thing after its stolen cubs, and sped along corridors of the palace, and down the great flight of steps into the garden, and across the garden, knocking over the ablution-pots in her haste, and Norna had just strength to withhold her from dashing through the doors of the summer-house to come upon Shagpat, she straining and crying, "'He's there! I say, O oh wise woman! Shagpat! Let's into him!' But Norna clung to her and spake in her ear, "'Wilt thou blow the fire that menaces him, O Kadza?' and what are two women against the assailants of such a mighty one as he? Then said she, Watch rather, and avail thyself of yonder window by the blue-painted pillar. So Kadza crept up to the blue-painted pillar, which was on the right side of the porch, and the twain peered through the window. Nurna beheld the dish of pomegranate grain, and it was on the floor, empty of the grain, and Babu Mustafa was by it alone making a lather, and he was twitching his mouth and his legs, and flinging about his arms, and Nurna heard him mutter wrathfully, "'Oh, accursed flea! Art thou at me again?' And she heard him mutter as in anguish, "'No peace for thee, O pertinacious flea, and my steadiness of hand will be gone, now when I have him safe as the hawk, his prey, mine enemy, this shagpat that abused me. Thou abominable flea!' And, O oh, thou flea, wilt thou, vile thing, hinder me from mastering the event, and releasing this people from the world of enchantment and bondage? And shall I fail to become famous to the ages and the times, because of such as thee, flea? So Kadza whispered to Nurna, What's that he's muttering? Is it of Shagpat? For I mark him not here, nor the light by which he's girt. She answered, Listen with the ear and the eye and all the senses. Now presently they heard Baba Mustafa say in a louder tone, like one that is secure from interruption, Two lathers, and this the third, a potent lather, and I wot there's not a hair in this world resisteth the sweep of my blade over such a lather as, Ah, flea of iniquity and abomination! What, am I doomed to thy torments? So, let's spread— Lo, this lather, is it not the pride of Shiraz, and the polish and smoothness it sheddeth, is it not roseate? My invention, as the poet says, O oh, accursed flea, now the knee-joint, now the knee-cap, and tis but a hop for thee to the armpit. 
fires of the pit without bottom seize thee is no place sacred from thee and art thou a restless soul infernal flea so then peace awhile and here's for the third lather while he was speaking baba mustapha advanced to a large white object that sat motionless upright like a snow mound on a throne of cushions and commenced lathering when she saw that kadza tossed up her head and her throat and a shriek was coming from her for she was ware of shagpat but noorna stifled the shriek and clutched her fast whispering he's safe if thou have but patience thou silly kadza and the flea will defeat this fellow if thou spoil it not so kadza said looking up is it seen of allah and be the genii still in their depths but she constrained herself peering and perking out her chin and lifting one foot and the other foot as on furnaces of fire in the excess of the fury she smothered and lo baba mustapha worked diligently and shagpat was behind an exulting lather even as one pelted with wheat and flower balls or balls of powdery perfume and his hairiness was as branches of the forest foliage bent under a sudden fall of overwhelming snow that filleth the pits and sharpeneth the wolves with hunger and teacheth new cunning to the fox a fox was baba mustapha in his stratagems and a wolf in the fierceness of his setting upon shagpat surely he drew forth the blade that was to shear shagpat and made with it in the air a preparatory sweep and flourish and the blade frolicked and sent forth a light and seemed eager for shagpat so baba mustapha addressed his arm to the shearing and inclined gently the edge of the blade and they marked him let it slide twice to a level with the head of shagpat and at the third time it touched and kadza howled but from baba mustapha there burst a howl to madden the beasts and he flung up his blade and wrenched open his robe crying a flea was it to bite in that fashion now i swear by the merciful a fang like that's coming to tigers and hyenas and ferocious animals then looked he for the mark of the bite plaining of its pang and he could find the mark nowhere so as he caressed himself eyeing shagpat sheepishly and with gathering awe noorna said hurriedly to kadza away now and call them in the crowd about the palace that they may behold the triumph of shagpat for tis ripe o kadza and kadza replied thou art a wise woman and i'll have thee richly rewarded lo i'm as a camel lightened of fifty loads and the glory of shagpat see i as a new sun rising in the desert wallahi thou art wise and i'll do thy bidding now she went flying back to the palace and called shrill calls to the crowd and collected them in the palace and headed them through the garden and it was when baba mustapha had summoned the courage for a second essay and was in the act of standing over shagpat to operate on him that the crowd burst the doors and he was quickly seized by them and tugged at and hauled at and pummeled and torn and vituperated and as a wrecked vessel on stormy waters plunging up and down with tattered sails when the crew fling overboard freight and ballast and provision surely his time would have been short with that mob but noorna made kadza see the use of examining him before the king and there were in that mob sheiks and fakirs holy men who listened to the words of kadza and exerted themselves to rescue baba mustapha 
and quieted the rage that was prevailing, and bore Baba Mustafa with them to the great palace of the king, which was in the centre of that city. Now, when the king heard of the attempt on Shagpat, and the affair of the pomegranate grain, he gave orders for the admission of the people, as many of them as could be contained in the hall of justice. And he set a guard over Baba Mustafa, and commanded that Shagpat should be brought to the palace, even as he then was, and with the lather on him. So the regal mandate went forth, and Shagpat was brought in state on cushions, and the potency of the drug preserved his sedateness through all this, and he remained motionless in sleep, folded in the centre of calm and satisfaction, while this tumult was raging, and the city shook with uproar. But the people, when they saw him whitened behind a lather, wrath at Baba Mustafa's polluting touch and the audacity of barbercraft wrestled in them with the outpouring of reverence for Shagpat, and a clamour arose for the instant sacrifice of Baba Mustafa at the foot of their idol Shagpat. And the whole of the city of Shagpat, men, women, and children, and the sheiks and the dervishes and crafts of the city, besieged the king's palace in that middle hour of the noon, clamouring for the sacrifice of Baba Mustafa at the feet of their idol Shagpat. End of chapter 21